let us at this time uh, turn in our Bibles to the book of Acts. We're continuing in uh, this exposition of Acts, which was started last Lord's Day. So Acts chapter 1, and we will read uh, verses 9 through 12 of Acts chapter 1. The Acts of the Holy Spirit, or the Acts of the Apostles, vis-a-vis the Holy Spirit. Hear God's word. And when he, that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, spoke, had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word, and shall we pray. Father in heaven, pray that you would make your word to come to life in our hearts, where it counts, and in our lives, where it shows. In the name of Christ, our King. Amen. Jesus' Ascension. There are four special events in the story of the Savior, which are his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Like rungs in a ladder. Two for going up, or let me start that over, two for going down, and two for going up. Somewhat like the ladder experienced by Jacob in his dream that was set on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. But not only angels traversing this ladder, but the very Son of God himself, Yahweh, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. His birth and his death are the rungs for going down. His resurrection and ascension for going up. That Jesus was born so that he may be the firstborn among many brethren. That Jesus died was so that others may live. That Jesus rose again was a confirmation of our justification and an assurance of our resurrection. But what about our ascension? Ephesians 4, 8, it reads, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And we know about some of those gifts, such as apostles and prophets, pastors and teachers and the like, missionaries and the like. But this verse sounds like the doling out of the spoils of war. For indeed, we are about a great battle for the souls of men and women and children. The four events lead to a final one, and that's the second coming of our Lord, as is described in Hebrews 9, 
27 and 28, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. We all know that verse. But what about what follows in the next verse? So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Had Christ not come in humiliation down that ladder, those rungs of that ladder going down, he could not return in exaltation and, and make it up the ladder. I like to think of like one of those utility ladders that, you know, like, like an A-shape, up one and down the other. But anyway, however it goes. <laughs> Had Jesus not come the first time to suffer and die and then to rise and to ascend back to his Father, he could not come a second time without sin unto salvation, and that for his people. As for his ascension, he could not descend a second time, meaning in his second coming, if he had not first ascended after his first coming. And so I have a proposition for you, and that's this. So let's start with the ascension. Let's talk about it. Our Lord and the 11 disciples made their ascent first up Mount and they reached, and when they reached the brow of the hill, after all, it was a hill, more so than a mountain, but who is comparing? After speaking what he spoke that we looked at last week, and especially that verse 8, where he commanded them to be witnesses unto him, beginning at home base and extending to the uttermost part of the earth. He ascends right before their very eyes. It says, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, they were all looking at him. All eyes were on him. Just like I trust yours are on me, although I'd rather not be that way. <laughs> and I don't like sermon audio because of the visual aspect. I think I'm going to Turn that into a podcast. <laughs> but nevertheless, all eyes were on Jesus. And then a cloud carries him away until they see him no more, disappearing like a, a dot in the heavens. And then, whew. Their eyes are riveted on that spot with wonder and amazement, which is to be expected, wouldn't you, if you were there, if you were them? Then appear two divine messengers that look like men dressed in white. We saw the third issue of men dressed in black. These are men dressed in white as if to celebrate the occasion of our Lord's exaltation and homecoming. But they were, of course, behind in order to tell his followers what they need to do. It says in verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. You may recall how there were two, perhaps these very two themselves, that said to the woman at Jesus' tomb, what? Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is risen, as he said. This time the, the two said in verse 11, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up? into heaven. The same Jesus 
which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go in heaven. <clears throat> what the disciples were about seemed at first sight to be the right thing to do. I mean, after all, they're in wonderment. They're in worship. It has that appearance in uh, the, uh, 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 the Gospel of Luke. And that is that of worship. And after all, he was ascended back to his glory, seated at the right hand of the Father, or soon was. And so watching him would be like watching the king of England when he would be enthroned and crowned with the crown of king of England. I, I'm referring to that only because it's something that's more contemporary. And, and we even have a, a brother who actually saw the king. Okay, so <laughs> I thought I'd bring that in. Bring that into uh, the message. Looking is good. Yes, looking is good. Like when Isaiah said, look unto me, speaking for the Lord, Yahweh, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. As we bid men to come to Christ and to look to Christ and to believe on Christ and to receive Christ. But they went beyond looking to gazing. Like, you know the difference between looking and gazing? Uh, you can look at someone, but then when you start gazing on someone, you better be careful, unless you have a, relation, a previous relationship, okay? And especially if it's not that time, it's time to work, as our Lord would say to his disciples, or said to his disciples in another gospel, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, and I'm gonna to turn to it, just so that we establish it upon the word. So Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And so they have work to do. And so why are you standing there gazing up to heaven right now? Didn't the Lord just commission you? And by the way, it's really more of a commandment than a commission because this is not just to officers in the church. As one pastor rightly said of, of this passage, of, of, of this uh, uh, event of the ascension, this is a commandment. And he's commanding all of his people everywhere to stand up for Jesus. So why are you standing, gazing up in heaven right now? You've got work to do, buddies, right? The master's gone. The master's gone. Yes, he's gone to sit on his throne. But from the standpoint of the disciples, they're also saying, he's gone from us again. There was another time when he left us and we thought he was gone for good. And, and of course, he wasn't. And we just about gave up serving him then. Well, this is different. He is alive forevermore. He's ascended to his glory. And so go as he tells you to do. When will he be back? Why is Jesus tearing through all these ages and, and still hasn't returned? Well, Jesus once said even... Previous to this pericope, 
It's not for you to know the times nor the seasons, but my Father. He's presently sitting at the right hand of his Father. And did he not give his running orders already upon his departure? And yes, one day I will return. Even those angels confirm that truth. He will come and so, in like manner as he left. So don't let anyone deter you from your course. Don't let anyone spiritualize this truth away of the Great Commission, which is given to the churches to do, and not to special officers, be they pastors or elders or deacons, etc., commissioned missionaries and the like. Job 19.25 says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon this earth. That was way back in the Old Testament. That was even before his birth and his entrance into this world. And by the way, at that time, he will call you and ask you to give an account of your stewardship. Like he spoke of in one of his parables when he said in Luke 16, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward surely don't want to hear those words, do you? Would you not rather hear the words in Matthew 25, 21, when he commends his servants, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Isn't that something that you would rather So be ready, brethren, beloved of the Lord, so that he may find you and me so doing in the day of his return. In conclusion, Jesus is right now in heavenly session with his Father. I want to make that point clear. That this is an established fact in history, if you will. As Romans 8.34 reveals, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. That's going on right now. That's something that's so easily forgotten. This is when we are busy about our own lives and focus on our own things. And even people that we know, even loved ones that live far away, we have no touch with them. And is it not that same way, times that we are that way with our Lord and what he is about at this very moment of time? And he is praying for us according to John 17, 24. John 17, 24, his high priestly prayer when he was on this earth. I am sure he's praying something similar to this in glory. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Let me read on. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I declare 
to, unto them thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. How comforting that is to know that he is interceding for us, that we are not dependent solely upon our own prayers one for another, but that the very Son of God, the very Lord of glory, is praying to the Father on our behalf, and that all of our praying is going through the sieve of his finished work of redemption and how we are secured in the beloved. And so are you looking for him, even as those disciples were looking up there in amazement at the ascension of the Lord? Are you looking to him now, even as the word says in Hebrews 9, 27, Hebrews 9, verse 27. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Because you will be looking for him if you love him. This is that prodigal's father was looking for his prodigal son all that time of their separation. So our Lord Jesus and our Heavenly Father are looking out for that time when we will be reunited to them and, and vice versa. As the prodigal himself was looking to return to his father after his escapade with the world, so we who have been redeemed from sin and this present life look for his coming. And so do you, is my question. Is this something that crosses your mind? And hopefully more often than just from time to time. Don't let it be like uh, the reading of the Bible. Well, how often do you read the Bible? Well, when I have time. But rather, may it be a commitment of time because of the one in whom you delight, the one to whom you pray, the one who is your Lord and your Savior from sin. And may I add this, look for him at the same time you yourself are actively serving him. And where do I look to establish that? From Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So turn to it, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, a very familiar passage. But let it be even more familiar by our reading it. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. His was always a spirit of joy in the service of his Father. His meat and his drink was to do the will of his Father and to finish his work. But something more than that was his chief desire, and that was to see him once again, face to face, and to be with him forever. And I am sure that while he was joyful, throughout his earthly sufferings, and even in his going to the cross, as is intimated here, 
he is all the more joyful as he rose from the dead and especially as he's exalted back to his glory there can be no greater ecstasy in the heart of our Lord and Savior than in his ascension back to his Father. And so may these things settle in your hearts and give you comfort and assurance and hope and peace as you look unto Jesus. Shall we pray? Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And may your word indeed be the source of our comfort in this present life in the midst of all the troubles that are out there, the evil that is in the world that is rearing its ugly head in greater and greater measure. And with all the difficulties in navigating our course in a Christian life, oh Lord, we bring this all before you. We ask you, Lord, that you would ever have us keep our eyes upon you. And in your case, Lord, gazing upon you is not a sin. But at the same time, Lord, as we do gaze upon you and look uh, on you, may we be actively serving you. As there is work to be done, as there is a life to be lived for you, our King. And, and Lord, the responsibility to to be a blessing at the same time for those all around us. Help us to this end, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's now sing our last hymn, and that's three, I'm sorry, 535. <clears throat>